My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. As soon as Moses gets up the mountain, God's like, go back down and warn the people not to do anything stupid while you're gone. And Moses is like, you told them not to come on Mount Sinai where you are because they'll all die. And God's like, just go down and warn the people. So Moses did. Then he goes back up the mountain and basically two things happen. We have Moses up on the mountain and then we have everybody else down below the mountain listening to this thunder and seeing the lightning that is presumably God talking to Moses from their perspective. So I'm going to start with what happens with Moses and then shift to what happens with everybody else, minus the PA Joshua, who basically, for those of you who are theater people, is the Hamilton to Moses's George Washington. At this point, Moses receives from God directly on tablets that God himself carved on and cut out from stone, the Ten Commandments. These are by no means the extent of the Hebrew law. However, it is widely accepted, at least in Christian circles, that the Ten Commandments are some of the most important rules that one can live by. And there's a lot of really interesting different ways of looking at the Ten Commandments. My personal favorite is that it's kind of a checklist. You can't follow number six without following number one, but there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And we're not going to really get into the law on this podcast, um, which is good. However, we are going to talk about just the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read them off for you. Have no other gods before God. Do not make yourself a carved image. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath was the day off. Remember, God took a Sabbath on the seventh day uh, of creation, and therefore we are all supposed to do that. Okay. Moving on. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. And those are the, those are the Ten Commandments. Those are the basics. Now, for the next 40 days, God is giving Moses more and more and more laws, specifics about slaves, about restitution, about the Sabbath and holidays, about social justice, and potentially most importantly, regulations for the priests and for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was going to be sort of a portable temple that the Israelites could worship in, and even when they would get to the promised land, the tabernacle would serve as the center of Hebrew worship of God for hundreds of years. It was very important that they got it exactly right. And God gave Moses some pretty incredibly specific specifics. And there is a lot of really cool, really interesting symbolism around the altar and around the whole thing. However, this is a storytelling podcast, so I'm not going to really get into that. If the tabernacle and Hebrew worship interests you, there's a lot of great resources that you can look into, both from Jewish and Christian scholars. It's a great time, but it's not our time. What's important is that it took Moses 40 days to get all of the information down from God, uh, both the law and the instructions on how to build this, this center of worship. And while Moses was gone for 40 days, the people were feeling a little antsy. The people go to Aaron, Moses' brother, and are like, we don't know what happened to Moses, and we don't think he's coming back down the mountain. So we want you to make us gods. And Aaron realizes that the people are pretty darn close to a riot. So he collects a bunch of gold jewelry from them, and he makes a golden calf. He melts down the gold, builds a mold, puts it in the mold, carves it out, makes this little golden statue of a calf. I don't know how big it was, and it doesn't really matter. What's important is that he made it. And when he presented it to the people, they then shouted something along the lines of, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt, like Aaron's golden arts and crafts project had anything to do with the plagues or the Red Sea or whatever. And when Aaron heard that, he realized there was a big problem. So he's like, tomorrow's a festival to God. <laughs> and they're like, great, cool, awesome. 
But their version of a festival to God was nothing like God's plan for his festivals, which he is currently, again, describing to Moses up on the mountain. While the people do manage to offer some sacrifices, burnt offerings and such, they also manage to eat a lot, probably drink a lot, and play, which is definitely a fancy word for sexy time. God tells Moses to go down the mountain and take care of the people, and then he kind of changes his mind. He's like, you know what? Leave them alone. Just leave them alone so that I can kill them all and start over with just you because everyone down there is problematic. And Moses is like, here's the thing about you striking them all down. Um, Everybody knows what you did in Egypt. And if that happens, people will think that you just brought us out here to die. Like no one will understand why you did what you did. And God changes his mind. This is one of the only places in the whole Bible that we hear God changed his mind. And How that works? Oof, beyond me. Moses takes the two tablets that God had written on front and back and meets Joshua about halfway down the mountain. And Joshua is like, there's the sound of war going on down there. And Moses is like, that ain't the sound of war, kiddo. That's the sound of partying. As soon as Moses sees the golden calf and the insane dancing and partying that's going on, he takes the tablets and smashes them out of anger or out of symbolism for the fact that they had already broken their agreement with God because the people had been like, yeah, we'll follow whatever God says to you on that mountain and we'll wait right here. And they completely disobeyed. Moses is pissed and he smashes the tablets. And then in one of those super epic like clapbacks of the Old Testament, Moses grinds up the golden calf into powder, sprinkles it in the water and makes the entire people drink it. Like they want this God They want a God inside them. They can have it. Oh, look, Moses smashed it. It wasn't that difficult. And he's like, Aaron, what the hell? Like, seriously, what are you doing? And Aaron lies through his teeth. He says that the people were about to revolt. Probably true. So he melted down the gold and out came the calf. Like, not that he had carved it or, you know, built it. This is the most blasphemous arts and crafts project that Aaron has ever completed. But Aaron tries to make it like the fire produced this calf. Like God is somehow okay with them worshiping this image. Again, keep in mind, it's like two commandments down. Don't worship carved images because God is bigger than our pictures of him. It's a big deal. And Aaron doesn't seem to get it. And Moses is not pleased. So Moses calls out that anyone who's loyal to God come to him. And out of the crowd, out of the entire nation, the sons of Levi, the Levite tribe, goes to Moses. Now, Moses and Aaron themselves are also Levites, and that is the tribe that responds to this great call. Moses tells them to go to and fro into the camp and kill anyone that their sword reaches. So basically just walk around killing back and forth. And about 3,000 men were killed that day by the sons of Levi. And because they were loyal to God and they were willing to do God's work, including the dirty work of cleansing out the people, Moses blesses them. And in fact, Levi would eventually become the tribe of priests. Like the entire Hebrew priesthood came from the tribe of Levi. There was no way to be a priest unless you were a Levite. In great part because of this event right here where they showed up for God as opposed to showing up for popularity or the golden calf. Moses then has to go up the mountain and tell God exactly what the people had been up to. And there's a bit of a back and forth. God is like, I want you all to leave Sinai. Get away from here because my presence will destroy you. And Moses asks for mercy. God says that he will depart from the people, but he won't strike them down. And again, Moses asks for mercy, saying that there is no point in being a nation, there is no point in Moses' leadership. There is no point, period, if God is not with them. 
and God hears Moses' request and grants it. In fact, God begins to put his presence on the tent of meeting, where Moses had been setting up all of his stuff, you know, whenever he had to settle disputes and, and whatnot. And when Moses would go and commune with God inside the tent, he would leave and his face would be shining to the point that people couldn't look at him. So Moses would cover it with a veil. However, when Moses would go into the tent with his assistant Joshua and come back out, Joshua wouldn't always leave the tent. So now we see Joshua spending a lot of time with God as well. Eventually, God decides to stay with the people and allow them to stay at Sinai while they complete this project, this tabernacle. See, he had given Moses the instructions and Moses had smashed the tablets that probably didn't contain everything, but definitely contained a lot. And God tells Moses to make new tablets because they are going to try this again. Like, this is a full-blown take two. Let's do it again. This time, the people cooperate and they don't build a golden calf. They cooperate and they are excited. They are excited to build the tabernacle and they are excited to build what was called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a box that held the stone tablets that Moses had made, eventually Aaron's staff, and also the manna in the jar. It was the place where God's glory would reside within the tabernacle itself. And this time, when they hear the design and everything, they are so excited to be able to worship God that they donate the materials basically overnight. In fact, they donate so much so quickly that Moses has to tell them to stop bringing donations because there is far and away enough to build everything they need for the tabernacle, all the utensils and the altar and everything, and enough for the Ark of the Covenant. Again, the heart of Hebrew worship. Their generosity has gotten the best of them. They are excited. This is one of the patterns that Israel shows throughout the whole Old Testament, and the reason I'm grinding it so hard here is because almost all of the stories that follow fall into one of two categories. A golden calf type story where they do something so boneheadedly stupid that it's almost impossible to imagine, or something so shiningly, gloriously brilliant and righteous that it's difficult to picture this same people group, the same group of ragtag tribes being the one who did all the stupid. Like, they swing both ways. (laughs) Yes, I know what that sounded like. And their righteousness is only outstripped by their idiocy and how far they are willing to fall. But this is one of the good moments when they build the tabernacle. And when they do, when the tent is finally completed, God's glory settles on it. They're able to move the tabernacle wherever they need to go. And now they head into the wilderness on their way back to Canaan. Now that they've stopped at Sinai and gotten the law, the sons of the sons of Israel are now a nation governed by God with his presence on the ark. Next episode, we're going to dive into the book of Numbers, which is really where the story picks back up. If you're looking in your table of contents, you'll notice that there's a book between Exodus and Numbers called Leviticus. Leviticus is the complete collection of the laws that were given to the Levites, hence the name Leviticus. The laws are really interesting and cool. There's not only a lot of regulations for festivals and for social justice, which is a huge thrust of the Old Testament, but there's a lot of what I jokingly call the middle school rules, like in case you thought you could get away with this laws. There's also a lot of cleanliness laws that now we know from a modern perspective would actually prevent a lot of diseases. And there were other laws mainly given to keep Israel separate so that it would be clear that they were a nation devoted to God. The only really interesting narrative thing that happens in Leviticus is that Aaron and his sons, yes, the same Aaron who built the golden calf like an idiot, become the priesthood. Aaron is the first high priest of Israel, amazing, and his sons become the first other priests. Now, two of them are struck down dead because they don't follow the rules very well, and God is like, I told you, I told you super hard, and you didn't listen. So, it's the only real story in Leviticus, which is why we're going to pick back up in Numbers. 
When we get there, you'll see the people of Israel, the wildly inconsistent, passionate, beautiful group wandering in the wilderness, finding their way to Canaan, and exactly just how bad, good, bad this trip goes. I will see you then.